welcome to UFO Secret Space. And I'm your host, Dan Lesson, and I'm here having with a bunch of people. We're having a panel today with Richard Knight, Susan Johnson, Teresa J. Morris, and Bruce Burnett will be joining us for the second half. So very exciting show today. We're doing this every Friday from 8 to 10 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific, and 3 p.m. Hawaii time, and we have all the time zones because we have people from all the time zones here most of the time. This is not a call-in show. I've had trouble managing these wild people that come on and say profound and first things, so I'm not going to be clicking on the button. I know you have comments. You can write to us at AquarianRadio at gmail.com, and if you have a question for me or any of our panel members, we will ask the questions on a future show. And if you want to come on as a little guest with your five, ten-minute story about your encounters with extraterrestrials, I will set up a private call with you to bet you before you come on the show. But that was a big learning curve. Uh, Susan was on that show, uh, I think it was last week or weeks before, where, and I, I can't help profanities. This is a uh, family-oriented show, I think, on some of them. Okay. First, we're going to start with Richard Knight, and Richard's going to talk for about five to ten minutes, and he's going to tell us, who are you, Richard Knight, and what brings you to our round table? The Knights of the Round Table. Wow, isn't that interesting? This is correct. Aloha, Richard. <laughs> Aloha. How are you, Janet and TJ and Suzanne? I hope you're all having a lovely have- evening. I muted them for now because I want you to tell oh, okay. your story uninterrupted for the next 10 minutes. So all okay. eyes and ears on Richard Knight and his story. Take it away. All right. Here goes. Here goes. First and foremost, I hope this doesn't rock your cradles or blow out your windows, but here comes oh, a big blow advent. Here comes a big advent at you all. All right. I come from the 16th dimension. So I am only part human from the aspect being that my separation from God and the universe has never transpired. I had the full full perception of God and the universe upon my birth. And basically it was very useful that that was so because during my early childhood, I was subjected to a great deal of abuse, a great deal of rejection. And there were all kinds of craziness going on while at the same time enjoying the benefit of having 14 senses instead of the regular five. To give you examples of these, of course, clairaudience, clairsentience, clairvoyance, uh, the ability to transmute objects by physically gripping them, the ability to heal, the ability to create fire in the palms of my hands, the ability to levitate and telekinesis for openers. All right? So as you can imagine, if someone like me were to be boarded at a Catholic boarding school, the nuns and the priests were freaking and claiming that I was the son of the devil incarnate. So that was my opening, okay? And there, from that, um, I represent a long lineage tradition of both witchcraft and druidism in which I was being initiated into and brought into the family trad while still being boarded at this Catholic school. So this opened upon me the tremendous curiosity that became insatiable over time to this point in my life where I now hold four doctorates, one in theology, one in divinity, one in religious science, and the other in metaphysics. In addition to my spiritual track, I am also and have been a civil criminal investigator since the age of 19. I am presently now 65, 
and I hail from the great state of California, from the city of Santa Monica. I have had probably too many supernatural and, and paranormal experiences to count and detail without actually writing a book, which I have done so, okay? That's how vast and vigorous my experiences in the paranormal and even in contact with ETs and UFOs as well. Um, so I have a vast array of all kinds of stories and experiences to share, and this has been my background. In other words, I have been living proof of a spiritual being incarnate in the flesh and being very aware of exactly who I am. And as my life and path journey have progressed, of course, I have become very well educated. And in order to back up both my positions in the spirit realm or the spiritual realm, you could say, and my law enforcement realm, which is criminal justice, I also have an associate's bachelor's and master's degree in criminal justice. I have had over 45 years of self-employment as a civil criminal investigator, and I have also worked for the federal government with Department of Justice, the Immigration Department, with over five years' experience there, and I have also worked for the state authority of Georgia as a probation officer, starting out as a probation officer, going to a supervisory probation officer, and eventually taking over an office of 12 probation officers who I audited, schooled, and and told right procedure to, over a three-county area with a caseload of roughly 4,500 juveniles and their families over a six-year period in two different districts. So, um, in addition to that, I love to write. I'm a poet, a published poet with the International Society of Poets, and have been published in many anthologies and winning all kinds of awards from that society as far as like Poet of the Year and things of this nature. In addition, I am a very thirsty person when it comes to knowledge. So I have studied in depth all of the various genres of literature in regards to the paranormal and the self-development and the self-awareness as well as um, being upon the trip of self-enlightenment, as one would call it, from around 1965 to the present. So that's 55 years in that particular area. In addition to this, I have been studying the martial arts since the age of nine, and I now possess four black belts in the martial arts, the highest of which being fifth dan grand master in Kung Fu. I study and was aware of and proficient in 18 styles of the martial arts. I have done black off operations for our federal government, of which I cannot speak because the information is classified. I have done um, surveillance for the federal government against organized crime, and I have also arrested judges and law enforcement for racketeering, thinking themselves to be above the law and victimizing the general public, and they are all in federal prison now serving a 25-year term. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> okay, good. So you're past the talking stick. Okay, let me just um, let me turn off my timer. I have a timer so we don't go so long. Okay. Well, I don't even know how so, long I was, you know. It's okay. You were about eight minutes. That's good. Okay. And there's some kind of that's feedback. Is somebody talking in the background? Is somebody talking in the background? Yes. Yes, unfortunately. Okay. Would you, you like to go outside? Privacy? 
Um, I don't know. Just auditory problems see. with privacy. Okay, hang on you a could, second. You could muzzle them. <laughs> I well, this, wasn't, the expect- the this wasn't expected, okay? This was not expected or planned or foreseen. I so, see. Uh, okay, that's okay. It is, it is one of them spontaneous moments, and Excellent. they are on the phone with a relative long distance, so, you know. Okay, okay, I understand. Okay, I'm going to put you on mute then, and I'm going to bring on Susan. So, here we go. Let me so, I'll still be able to hear Susan. Right. Yes. Okay, Susan. Hold on, the mic is coming on. Yeah, Susan. Hello? So, hi, so 10 minutes. Tell us your basic story and your top things that you want our listeners to know starting now. About you, starting now. Actually, you're about are you, age Susan? of five. Yeah, how, how are you? I'm good. Good. Um, actually, around the age of five, I had a so-called dream. I don't think it was a dream. I think it was a scout scene or it was a scene because most abductees and experiencers, they'll remember it later on as a dream or something, which I found out by speaking to various UFO investigators. But um, at five, I had an experience where I thought there was these little kids that were my height. And I figured, oh, good, I could play with them and have somebody to play with. And I started to play with them, and they started shooting lasers at me. And somehow I spontaneously produced a beam out of my hands. And I was pointing my hands at them. And, and then two or three of my, peop, my ET people appeared behind me, vaporized one of them, and the, and, the other two, and the other three fled. At seven, I had a recurring dream that I was, um, we were coming into the Earth's solar system, and we were bouncing off the gravitational fields of the planets before we were entering into the upper stratosphere of upper atmosphere of the earth and a black hole opened up and I woke up and everybody, the other crew, which was a, a human Nyandan crew instead of an, an ovoid or an Archeron Nyandan crew that they were still asleep. And I was awake and I'm a navigator. And I said, shift the mass to the black hole, not away from it. Cause the physics changes when you go into various different dimensions and they, they shift the mass to the, uh, away from the black hole, and we got obliterated, and I was born here in 1960. And since then, I've had, that was the dream. I'd wake up, and I would be cross-legged, facing the closet, all shooken up. And I had that dream like three or four times. Then when I was at the library, I would study every paranormal book, psychology book, physics book, UFO book, astronomy, trying to figure out what was happening to me, the special relativity, general relativity, everything. And I accelerated my IQ like about 10 or 20 points. And then I skipped through grades and, and grade school, and I graduated on time in 79 from a public high school. And then I got an AS degree in physics, an AS degree in electronic engineering technology, or electronics for short, AS degree in plant mechanical maintenance with a dean's list, straight A's, um, AA degree in physics. I got certifications in HASWOPER, OSHA, I got DOE core level one certification for rad protection, which is radiation protection, health physics tech. I, I passed the Northeast utilities test, um, which allows you to work at, at, at the Northeastern power plants as a health physics tech. I have like 25 years senior decon- decontamination experience. And I was also a valve tech and an apprentice boiler maker and also an apprentice, I mean, a laborer and, um, I was a junior health physics tech for like three power plant outages. I'm forcibly retired. 
I've had ongoing alien experiences all my life. I'm connected with, I remember all my past lives and the, the original universe of where our people came from. Presently, we're working with, with, with it on our own. And we were called in and commissioned by the Universal Council of One, which is seated in Cygnus, uh, the Orion Councils and stuff, because they needed our help because um, we ended the Lyran Wars. And that's why the Star Wars is based on the Lyran Wars. And when they say the Force be with you, they mean us. We are a unique force. I was told we were a force embodiment. And then back in 2015, and... Um, um, I also work, um, I went to, we came in, when we were called in and commissioned, we came in through Taurus, from the other side of Taurus, um, the Aliatron universe, on the back side of Taurus, through Aldebaran, and what is now the the Crab Nebula, it used to be called Budatan, and it went supernova, and it, and it became the Crab Nebula, and then we had, we were all killed, because we were the last group of our kind to stay back to shoot neutral radiation and, and to the star before it went supernova to redirect the beam away from the life vein that's running through the sector. And then and then we succeeded. We tried to get out of there, but we didn't make it in time. And then Orion ship came, and they captured our souls, and they made clones of our bodies, and they reanimated us on the board of the ship, and blue tubes, silica tubes, or jelly tubes. And then after that, we um, went to... Um, Cygnus, and that's where we settled, and a planet called Archeron, which is either in Cygnus X1, Deneb, or um, Beta Cygni, or Gamma Cygni, or it could, Lambda Cygni, or it could have been um, R4, Sat R4, or something, two or three planets, and they they hosted us, and they allowed us to stay there, that's two or three of the planets we live on. We come from the Refactum and Refactum and Universe, and back in 2014, I was told that that symbol on my the right my right ankle means or fact and or fact and and when I did some spiritual work, I I went on the spiritual website and, and I looked at symbols and the the symbol that I have indicates warrior, and I go oh that's just great because I've been told lately in the past ten years that I'm a warrior a light warrior, and um, I am a multi-dimensional being and I've been told as high as 22 dimensions. And I don't know if I have clear audio or clairvoyance or anything like that, but I do have a good perception. And I, those are my ongoing experiences. And I think I'm working with several fleets up there fighting. I, and um, Maria Calvin Hill actually uh, photographed various ships on the backside of the sun and around the earth. And, and I get a strong impression that those are our fleet. And then um, Bruce Cornett mentioned a book called The Masquerade of Angels, and then Chapter 21, it, it gives you a good idea of how insidious the um, evil is that's coming into this sector. And we're here to fight it. And um, because we ended the Lyran Wars, and we collapsed the universe in the backside of Draco, and a lot of them, because it was parasitic, evil, disembodied entities that were sucking the life force out of the universe, and some of them escaped into the portals, and then when, when we were, that's when we were called in because they were targeting the lower evolved, lower dimensional beings that live in the dualistic reality instead of the trialistic reality that, that governs most of the universe. And now we've got to finish the job. That's basically it. There's a lot of conflict between the humans, the ETs. They demonize us. They vilify us. 
we're going to make our presence known. We show our, our mottos all over the world. Um, we see UFO or models all, all over the world. That's us showing our presence and our force uh, to let everybody know that we're the good guys and we're after the evil. And that's basically it right now. We've got to eliminate the evil, but the humans have to play their part be- by becoming more awakened and more aware and regain their individualism and their self-preservation and proclaim the sovereignty of their race on this planet. We also do a lot of planetary synthesis, planet creation, stabilization, and stuff. That we've been fighting negative factions of the secret space fleet, but there's two factions that are positive that are working with us, and um, it's just really horrific. I, I've been on a lifelong quest to try to find others on this planet from my group that are in physical form, and I think I'm not going to find anybody because so far nobody showed up. Okay. Anything else? You have one minute and fifty seconds. Or do you want to pass the time? Um, e- Even though I have a deep voice, I'm I'm not transgender. I'm not homosexual. I'm straight. If I was to be active down here, but I'm asexual down here. I'm only attracted to my own kind, and I'm heterosexual. And I have a deep voice because it's partly because I don't know if it's because I have Asperger's syndrome. I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, which I think it's a neurological rewiring because they said the neuro- their neurological wiring is different. I think I think it's there's a lot of star seeds and everybody coming in as per Mary Rodwell, certified nurse in the UK that does work with Asperger's people, said that they remember their past lives and their star seeds, which is but I'm a, I'm an alien hybrid incarnate. I'm not just a star seed, I'm an alien incarnate hybrid. And they told me how they did the in utero and vitro and everything. And my family's had ongoing experiences too. Um but I think there were different races than mine. And the deep voice also part of the Native Americans tend to have deep, deep voice, too. Excellent. Okay. So we'll, we'll come back to you. We're going to keep going around here and get the short 10 minutes or less intro from each person. So let me uh, put you on mute. And Bruce showed up, so I will have Bruce. Hi. We're doing like a 10-minute Wait, okay, here it is. Bruce, we're doing a 10-minute intro on ourselves, who we are, our background, maybe our education, um, our paranormal, our extraterrestrial experience, and what brings us to our show today. Welcome to the show, Bruce. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Did you hear what I said about we're doing 10-minute intros about ourselves? Yes. If you would like to, uh, I'm going to set the timer because people tend to get long-winded. And then I'll let you know when you've got about one minute or less. But you can pass it if you want to go less. It's fine. You can just say I'm done talking. I'm passing. We have an uh, invisible talking stick that we pass back and forth. Well, okay? maybe I should go last so I can get a, a gist of what I, uh, the others are contributing. Okay. Well, uh, then the next one will be Teresa. So you're passing to Teresa. So let me mute you, and I'll put on Teresa and... Hold on one second while I do these a little bit of a delay. So, Teresa, you've got 10 minutes, and I'll let you know when it's the last a minute. Okay, go ahead. Hi, uh, everyone. This is Teresa Jeanette Thurmond Thomas Morris. I uh, identify as a uh, 
androgynous being from another place in space and time uh, as far as my intelligence goes. In this reality, I uh, conform to being a humanoid, sentient, intelligent being by choice. And for the sake of this reality show, or <laughs> lack of reality, I am a cosmos ambassador in this reality. Uh, and I do psychic work for various people that hire me. And I also uh, train entrepreneurs as a CEO of a corporation. And uh, off planet, I do life between lives, and I was uh, signed up to do this, what we call epoch, as a very, very old soul with lots of memories prior to what is recorded on this planet, which we used to call the Akashic field, but now it's become uh, uh, more than that because we have been able to define it while I was working here on the planet in this reality. Uh, my first uh, president I met, Harry S. Truman, through to President Reagan, and I did not meet uh, Clinton or uh, Trump, but uh, they know of me. So in this reality, I'm considered T.J. Morris E.T. Uh, that's my brand. Uh, I have T.J. Morris. I have uh, created for the world the Allied Command Intergalactic Relations. Uh, off planet, I am a universal life force that works in a large command that is uh, universal. We go in and out of various universes. In this reality, this one that I'm talking in, I am considered a guardian of the galaxy and I have worked at the highest level and a quadrant for this universe strictly as an observer and also a communications officer. Now, my partner in life that has deceased in this reality worked directly for the president as I did, President Reagan. We are in this reality, we are uh, retired from Department of Defense, Department of, he was Department of Army, I was Department of Navy. We both were intelligence officers. Uh, I have been a private investigator, legal investigator, and um, trained in personnel and information security with some of the best in the world. I have traveled the world. I'm a world traveler. Uh, let's see, what else would you need to know? Uh, I'm presently working as a government contractor, even though I have officially retired. I have 50 years in service from May 10th, 1967 to May 10th, 2017, with our Office of Personnel Management. If you study uh, how we've set up the government with the Constitution of the United States, you can learn about all that and all the changes that have happened since I got out. Uh, with regards to uh, the reality here that we've created with UFO groups, I am the original Ascension Center Oracle. And I am also the original UFO Association, the original. Uh, I started with Stanton T. Friedman and George Feiler and uh, Canada <laughs> and the United States of America and the international acclaimed command officers that were retired, reservist, Army, DOD, GS, WG, wage grade. And so I represent in radio since 2012. Uh, with several people that are veterans, uh, they want to tell their stories before they pass on. 
Uh, prior to 2012, when I came in radio, I worked for UFO Digest in Canada as a um, contributor, publisher, uh, writer, and I helped Dirk Vanderplug, who was a well-known publisher in Canada, and uh, through before I met him, he was very interested in why I talked about Andromeda, and we discovered uh, he thought that was odd that in my repertoire choice. Jim Mars, Richard Dole, and a lot of people, Alfred Lambert, Weber, a lot of names you may know in the UFO industry, uh, knew of me and talked to me via Canada. But uh, a lot of this was uh, classified. A lot of this was above top secret. And uh, Stanton Friedman went to his grave, never uh, divulging who I was. But he and I both worked in uh, on the Roswell story, I worked with uh, Don Berliner, uh, Dr. Bruce McAbee helped me, and Janet in 2015 began the Alien Contact Organization. Uh, I have since separated out uh, from Mutual UFO Network, which in 2012 I ran one of the first advertisements. Stanton T. Friedman opened my show after I'd had a couple of shows with Janet Carroll Lesson to do Stargate to the Cosmos, so you may know that she and I uh, have known each other on this world since 1993, and we'll be coming out with our timelines. Uh, but she met me as a psychic at Psychic. Uh, I had Psychic Network. I, I was CEO in Hawaii, and uh, let's see what else. I was Spiritual World Network, and I was asked to take over your spiritual center as president CEO of a corporation. I ran the Spiritual World Network, and uh, I was on radio there, television. People came over and filmed me from India. Um, I've been on various radio shows, but I did not want to, so I didn't waited to come out till August 2007. I was told I broke the Internet, and the uh, Catholic Church came out and was like, ah, Russia was like, ah, what's she doing? So um, I claim August 2007 as my coming out as an extraterrestrial entity on the planet telling my stories, but people thought them as fiction, and that's okay with me. So I since then wrote about 20 to 40 books, lost count, so I'm considered an author, a publisher. My family ran a publishing company. My imprint was Timely Manor Books. Um, I was uh, president CEO, of, as I said, of a corporation. I became a multimillionaire, 33, uh, when I was age 12 on my first Rolls Royce. So I had the power to manifest, which the government was very impressed with. So the actual smoking guy that you see in X-Files was my handler named Carl Reichert out of Chicago area. But I guess he was in D.C. and held the, the desk there for 40 or 45 years. But uh, I didn't know what those were. So Dr. Richard Allen Miller has been my uh, colleague, and he is a GS-18. We both have an IQ uh, that was once registered at 168+, plus, both of us 175. And he is my colleague, and we are building a new reality with esoterics, um, wisdom, uh, what we call the occult, which just means unknown or undefined or uh, it's used in a lot of ways, but basically I relate as an interfacer. Uh, one of the jobs which I didn't want to admit to to anyone until my husband died because of intelligence work. I was told this to say I work for the State Department, 
but I worked uh, with Bob Dean and we worked with Allied Command Europe. I worked the European theater in uniform, out of uniform, uh, through the international police uh, with uh, some names I won't drop right now because it's too soon. And I have been known as a researcher for uh, uh, APRO, NICAP, uh, QFOS. I personally met J. Allen Hynek for the sake of the show. He asked me overhead in a jet to please help him. I didn't know he was asking me that he died. I was supposed to meet with him in Colorado with his uh, secretary. I was flown to Edwards Air Force Base. I guess that's uh, we had to talk uh, with some other people in the Navy and Air Force, and then uh, I went to Lowry Air Force Base and did some training, black ops, stuff like that. But uh, as far as people that care about what kind of military training I have, Army, one more Navy, minute. Air Force, Marine. One more minute, CJ. All right. One minute. I crossed over. I ran, uh, I ran for all Joint Chief of Staff in Sierra Mariner. So I've been working globally and internationally, and uh, I'm just here to observe and communicate. And I, I, re I real, really identify right now with uh, the uh, uh, cyborgs and the AI and the robots and bringing in what we used to know were just uh, interfacers. So I, I didn't want to do this job, but I volunteered for it, I guess. So that's who I am. I'm here to help at the Ascension Age. It's a whole new uh, paradigm. So thank you, Janet Carol Lesson, for being my friend. Okay, thank you. Okay, next person is Bruce Cornett. And Bruce and Brian putting you on off of mute. I think you can talk. Uh, try talking now. Okay. okay. Can I, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I, okay. Uh, my background is very different from that of uh, Teresa and uh, Susan. Uh, I didn't get involved in all of this uh, subject until 1992. And uh, before that, I was a, uh, a straight-laced uh, scientist working at uh, colleges, universities, um, on, on paleontology, geology, and, uh, um, and, and palynology. And I have many uh, publications and, and some books on that subject, but that was my previous career. Now uh, I am doing uh, writing in, in about my experiences since 1992, when my career took a sharp, hard right-hand turn. And uh, I ended up uh, discovering that I lived right near a uh, UFO hotspot near Pine Bush, New York. And uh, I contacted uh, Dr. Ellen Crystal, who had just written a book, Silent Invasion, on uh, all of the activity in my own backyard. And as a scientist, I was very curious about what was going on. Uh, and uh, she took me out into the field on, on the very first night. Uh, I was out there. I saw things I could not explain. And I was literally captivated. Um, this continued uh, for 11 years. I started a, uh, um, uh, a research project in the field with equipment, with cameras, uh, audio, and, and visual, and and uh, magnetometers, and uh, collected an enormous amount of data and accumulated uh, over 140 close encounters. 
Uh, one thing that Ellen had in the field, which was very different, was that the craft would follow her around. And when I went out with her, they started following me around too. And we would uh, go to specific locations in uh, Orange County, New York, and set up our cameras. And the craft would literally come to us and put on performances in the night sky. They, uh, with our plasma lights, would create uh, sky glyphs that I would capture on time exposures and uh, then piece the pictures together to understand what type of figure they were creating in the night sky. And there were quite a few. Um, and uh, I, I never got very close to these craft. Uh, they would always keep their distance from us. Uh, they would lift off from neighboring fields and, and arc over us and then dive into fields or, or forests behind us. Um, so this really uh, interested me, and I wanted to get to the, uh, the, the, the basis of who were they and what was this. Uh, everybody that went out there sky watching thought that this was, uh, you know, they were uh, aliens. And in my 11-year research, I was able to uh, accumulate uh, enough information to say to, to uh, exclude the possibility that we're dealing with some faction of the U.S. military, uh, perhaps uh, working with the ETs. But the technology that I saw and experienced in the field was uh, was extraordinary by any means. Uh, they were able to. Uh, read my mind when I was taking pictures and know exactly when I was opening and closing my shutter of my camera. And they would move and make movements in the night sky to coincide with those opening and closing of the shutter. So I was able to do experiments and determine that there was a telepathic communication. And I don't know of human pilots that are capable of doing that. In addition, I was able to determine that these ships, which were mostly angular ships, uh, they were not round. Uh, some of them were like the Tic Tac, but most of them were uh, triangles and diamond-shaped crafts. Uh, the manta ray was huge, about the size of a 747. But what was extraordinary is that these craft would come out of the ground and they would dive into the ground, into an underground base in, the, in, a, in a local area there, uh, about eight miles from Stewart uh, Air, Air Force and Army Base an international airport near Newburgh, New York. Uh, so we had a lot of uh, commercial air traffic and military air traffic flying over us, and these crafts would mimic the uh, lighting, the navigation, night lights, uh, hazard lights of these uh, conventional aircraft. They would also produce sounds uh, that uh, would attempt to uh, create uh, audio uh, camouflage, and they were quite successful at fooling the people on the ground, uh, when they would hear the sound, they would say, oh, that's just a jet. But uh, my analysis and recordings and, and frequency uh, analysis showed that they were not uh, normal jet sounds. They were synthetic sounds composed of at least 12 different frequencies, and they di disobeyed the normal Doppler effect. They were reverse Doppler, and that has since been shown uh, to be a product of anti-gravity craft. So that was a smoking gun that these craft uh, were indeed um, not built uh, by humans. Um, and so I re recently published a book called 
uh, unconventional aerial phenomena in the Hudson and Wallkill River Valley of New York. It was published in 19, I mean 2019, and you can buy it at Amazon.com. Uh, it, it, there are also hundreds of web pages that I generated since the late 90s, uh, one for each of the uh, encounters that we had in the field. And you can go to my web pages, just Google Dr. Bruce Cornett, and you can follow me uh, into some of those web pages that are linked to other web pages and see all of the data that I published in my book. Um, my life has been quite extraordinary from the standpoint that uh, I never realized that uh, when um, in 1981, March, with a discarnate voice asked me if I was ready to serve God and do whatever he asked me to do. When I said yes, he asked me to take care of a woman that was in need and that he would bring her to me, which he did. And I met her in, in late 2000 uh, and, and uh, late, excuse me, 1983 and uh, lived with her for exactly seven years. And she was an extraordinary woman. Uh, she died in 1991 and then came back in spirit and over her grave and uh, to say her farewell. And I caught that on video, on camera, and I did a, a web page on that called The Passion of Bonnie. That was her name. And uh, then I watched her spirit being beamed up into a, a second sun in an overhead cloud above her grave. And uh, when I analyzed that, uh, images from the cloud, there was a huge a circular dome-shaped white mothership embedded in that cloud. And that was my first clue that um, my late wife uh, was an ET. And she came back to me and communicated with me telepathically for, for many years after that. And, and I believe that she was responsible for putting on those uh, performances by the unconventional craft in the Walkill River Valley of New York. Um, so I'm basically here to back up all the other guests on the show uh, with actual physical data that had been analyzed scientifically. Great. Well, thank you very much, Bruce. Okay, good time here. Okay, this next round, what we're going to do, I'm going to go back to Richard, who... We've not met yet, Bruce, but I'm going to ask a question. Richard's going to ask a question of his own making. Oh, let me get this switched over. Okay, one second here. And we're all going to answer it. And I'd like everybody to keep their question down, their response down to two to three minutes, because that way we'll get uh, three or four questions done in the course of the show. And Richard, you go first, ask the question, and answer your own question. Take it away, Richard. Okay. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Uh, not like uh, once you on again. Spot, huh? Go ahead. <laughs> well, that's okay. I can handle it. Not a problem. Um, okay. My question is this: How long, to all of the panel's very, very extensive knowledge, have ETs and extraterrestrials been involved with the planet Earth? Okay. And an, and and an answer to that. An do I know? 
Yeah, yep. You can answer your own question now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now I get to answer my own question. Sure, and then we're going to have everybody else answer. Oh, okay. All right. Well, my answer to the question yeah. is roughly speaking about uh, generationally speaking, uh, 50,000 years, roughly speaking, give or take. There have been many wars for the planet, as mentioned by other, our other panelists. Um, there are still ongoing wars in the seventh dimension that are being carried on outside the expertise of experts here on the ground, as well as sensitives such as myself and all of the other panelists, obviously. Um, and there have been many races that have come to the planet, including the Anunnaki, who, who held the human race into what you would call morphosized, where basically their mentality was completely controlled by the Anunnaki for at least a good 20,000 years. Um, There has been an ongoing alien presence on this planet simply because the original created mass of the Earth was in fact a universal library that was kept by a half a dozen guardians that would rotate in and out of rotation in far as their incarnation was concerned so that in turn this library would be an access to all of our universe and depository by all beings within our given universe, which contains about, I can't even tell you exactly how many galaxies. But anyway, um, that's my take on it. In other words, basically speaking, there has never really been uh, true earthlings per se, and if they were, they were only here incarnate for one life before they became either mutated, ascended, beings, or extraterrestrials from other planets, galaxies, or universes or dimensions. Okay, and then uh, express your question one more time uh, before uh, Susan answers. Susan's going to answer next. Okay. My question question to the panel. My question to the panel is kind of short and sweet. In your take on things or your observed uh, interactions with the same, how long have extraterrestrials been you know, basically uh, intermixing or helping the human race here on Earth. How long has there been an ET presence on the Earth? Okay, Susan, your turn. Since before the beginning of the Earth, the Earth was specifically created as one of the primary focusing points on what what they would call a matrix that's supposed to govern the the uh, baseline light harmonic resonance that, that regulates the, the nature of physical reality. There are several Earth-type planets throughout the rest of the universe. Each one of them is on a critical point of this matrix. And um, each universe is regulated by what they call a light harmonic resonance um, octave or a system. And um, the... The, uh, so I understand it was multiple races that created the Earth. It was the Orion Council, mostly the master and creator beings from there, and maybe some from Sirius and maybe some from, um, I want to say Andromeda or Pleiades, I'm not sure, some of them. The, the common progenitors that are down here, and they've got a large, large number of people that are following them, like the Palladians, the Arcturians, the Syrians, all that, had a hand possibly in creating the earth and then after the earth was created and activated locked in to the dimensions and stabilized there was a, a lichen phase and a ter- and a, a igneous rock activation phase um terraforming phase that's where the bigfoots come in because they're a terraforming type race that works with various different alien races and the universe and then after the earth was created and stabilized 
um, there was two or three indigenous human colonies on the earth itself. I know others say that there were seven root races and stuff, but I think there was like three major uh, indigenous human races, which means that their planetary identity matched their soul identity. Because every planet has a planetary identity, and then as as governed by the central planetary energy vortex, and then after and then five human colonies were supplanted here, um, right after Zeb Tepe, which would be be called the the uh, golden time. That was when the indigenous humans and um, aliens that were colonists that used the Earth as an outpost coexisted out in open, and there was no. Um, Secrecy or hidden agenda or anything At that time and that's when all the pyramids And everything were created they were not created By the Egyptians They were created by other races that came here And had left before the five human Colonies were put here the Anunnaki Interfered and they met And they screwed up the human genome And the humans were supposed to be a multi-dimensional Multi-coalescent Being that was able To um, Access Higher realms and higher vibrations and stuff Specifically because of where they're located Which is a critical point This earth is in a tri- critical Strategic navigational point in this, in this universe Where several converging dimensions occur But also it's, it, it's in this life vein That runs from Cassiopeia All the way through Riga and Stannis Major Which um, Right you, you got yeah, can you wrap, the, um, wrap up your answer? Yeah, wrap up your answer. Okay, yeah. And, then we'll go to the next okay, and, and, and the Anunnaki came and screwed up the human race, and that and that and that's what caused the uh, wars to start. I thought they turned off this timer. <laughs> Shut up, timer. Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> Thank you very much, Susan. That was funny. I couldn't get the turn off. Okay, next uh Responded is uh, Teresa. Hold on one second while I get this mic thing manipulated. Okay, Teresa, um, your turn to answer the question about how long the ETs been involved on the planet. And um, try to keep it around three minutes so we have a chance to get around with several questions. Okay, take it away. Are you there, Teresa? Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, go ahead. Can you hear me? Go ahead. Okay, regarding regarding the story that we are uh, promulgating tonight, I don't know. You're breaking up. You're breaking up. I'm trying not to. I'm not doing anything. I'm not moving. Okay. Go ahead, try again. Okay. We're having some sound problems. We'll come back to Teresa. Um, Are you there, Teresa? Try one more time. Okay, we'll come back to Teresa. Okay, we'll give uh, Bruce an opportunity to answer that. Okay, thank you. Bruce, um, in re- yes, in in response to uh, to Robert uh, wanting to know or wanting to say how long he thinks the ETs have been involved with humans, he also Richard. asked how long uh, or Richard uh, how long the uh, 
uh, ETs have been on Earth? And those are two different uh, questions with two very different answers. Um, I agree with him that uh, interaction with humans probably goes back to at least 50,000 years. But in the Walkill River Valley, I discovered something that was quite outrageous. Um, uh, in my geology work, I discovered that the, the, the original Sidonia complex on Mars was constructed in the Walkill River Valley during the last interglacial, Eemian interglacial, over 118,000 years ago. And it, I was able to locate remnants after the, the glaciers retreated of the, the face, the tholus, the crater, uh, the base to the DNM pyramid, and all of those features. And I was able to uh, uh, age date the, uh, the Sedonia complex on Mars based on continental uh, drift on Earth, which uh, was indicated that it was either built, the one on Mars was built either 50,000 years ago or 59,000 years ago, or it was built 118,000 years ago. Uh, take your pick at this particular time, uh, because the uh, the rate of uh, continental drift is is could be one or two centimeters per year. And the second uh, part of the question: How long have ET has ET been on Earth? I did a 24 square mile magnetic survey, and I uh, of the area, and I discovered that there were underground magnetic activity, artificial activity going on. But the most extraordinary thing was I discovered an alien probe that had landed on an ancient island uh, in, in an Ordovician sea over 400 million years ago. How do I know? Because it is completely embedded within Ordovician black shale, uh, ocean shale, and sitting on top of a granitic island. And it's now been, erosion has brought it to within nine feet of the surface, and it is still functional and still sending signals out into space whenever the constellation Boobies is overhead. And these are very powerful signals that come out of it that I was able to measure with my magnetometer. And I was also able to determine that it is triangular in shape, about 565 feet on a side. And that is a huge structure, uh, uh, alien probe. And I, and I found other ones sending signals out into space as well, uh, indicating that this was a mining area uh, for these uh, extraterrestrials uh, over 400 million years ago. And the, the granitic masses, that uh, islands that they landed on, are full of exotic minerals and uh, rare earth. And, and a mine in Franklin, New Jersey. Franklin, New Jersey has, has, re, has mm -hmm. produced hundreds of different types of minerals from these granitic masses. So it was a mining probe. Thank you. Thank you. We'll get back. Um, let's see who's next. Uh, oh, we're going to try Teresa again. Thank you very much, Bruce. And okay. Actually, I'll, I'll take a turn. Um, from my understanding and the research, you know, the, the story of the Earth goes back and there's been life and species visiting here since its inception, which was X amount of billions of years ago, because uh, people come species different species and bees come here to terraform the earth and they periodically do what's called interventionism. So they introduce other, um, you know, species and plants and bugs and everything um, to, uh, you know, to experiment. How the hell will this grow and develop here? So the larger life forms apparently came here um, 
billions of years ago. I forget the name of the research. Buck Cuomo is running with this CS. I've seen his uh, presentation where he goes down through the layers of a mountain. It's the lowest layer, you know, which is built up or something. Uh, he comes in from the side, and he's found these giants. You know, they're like 30, 40 feet tall. And occasionally you see these pictures of them getting um, washed up to shore or big to them. And then, of course, people say it's all fake news. So we have the stories of these things. And... I'm going to have um, Roger Spur of Mudfoster University on on the 20th on the show. He's going to talk about how everything is alive, and he's been doing um, the analysis and, you know, like the there's these stories of these mountains that are actually a giant laid down and he, um, became fossilized, turned into rock, and, you know, some of them died, some of them turned into statues, like Medusa, the stories of Medusa. So he's going to talk about that. What I'm aware of is the Anunnaki. That's my area of expertise. And my, my doctor, my, my beautiful doctor husband, <laughs> Dr. Lesson, has, um, with, uh, with myself, we've written five books. He's got a six one in the making. It's about religion and the Anunnaki. But um, they came here 450,000 years ago, and they were searching for gold to use back on their home planet. Uh, the main purpose of it was to... Uh, coat the atmosphere because it was uh, disintegrating and had holes in it, and um, the radiation was getting in and, and rendering everybody sterile and destroying the planet. And of course, they um, synthesized it into a lot of atomic gold, and they used it for longevity. And then um, I think it was about 300,000 years ago. I don't have the book here. Um, they created the first generation of Homo sapiens. They used the Homo erectus. They um, they blind DNA, and they created this hybrid species. And then they did, you know, fine-tuning where um, they interbred with the, the 15 homo sapiens and made homo sapiens sapiens. So that's my, uh, of course, that brings us to the modern era and the extraterrestrials. ETs are here in mass and different species, but the Anunnaki never left. They just are still ruling through their priests and kings and the demigods, which are the um, hybrid humans with a lot of royal DNA, and they're very selective, and they're kind of the ultimate races. And then we are all the children, so apparently we all have on Anunnaki DNA, but back with the lion wars and the uh, the, the uh, treaty that was made, they agreed to combine all the DNA. So we have a reptilian stem, so we're part reptilian as well. Okay, so let me... Bring on Teresa. Let's give her a whirl here. And then we're going to go Susan so you can start thinking about it. You're next with a question. Okay, Teresa, okay, I heard three unmuted. minutes. Can you hear me now? Okay, I, I unmuted you. Yes, uh, we can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Uh, regarding the word extraterrestrial, that has to be defined in ontology, but consider that I am considered ET. I also would suggest that the universe um, <laughs> adds itself to before space and time. So uh, we can't use uh, linear time. So uh, therefore, it's non-existence in uh, the way that I would use uh, folklore. But most of the ancient uh, stories we tell ourselves for the sake of being uh, humanoids, homo sapiens sapiens, is based on the word. So where I come from, uh, 
is based on universal language, which was before anything to do with sound or vibrations or bandwidth or any type of description because we didn't use words, okay? So it's very hard to communicate unless you don't communicate. So <laughs> that's why I'm here to help with the word and observe and help communicate. That's part of my uh, chosen extraterrestrial mission here. So uh, regarding let's write the stories that write and thread the stories on the planet is uh, I bring in all the universal codes uh, before we had the photon memory in the uh, what they call the grid. So uh, I presently am working with a lot of theorists because science was taken from original philosophy. And right now they go back to Aristotle on the planet and create forward. However, uh, as far as uh, archaeologists, anthropologists, people that talk languages of the earth being extraterrestrial, uh, I'm working with all those that understand that uh, before uh, humans existed, we had all biological. So to me, earth is an extraterrestrial and earth is made up of former biologicals. But uh, because they only on this reality in this dimension, they only use carbon-based, uh, what they call uh, time, in space. So unless it's carbon, you can't date it. So uh, the Earth is ET, and I'm ET, and everybody is ET. <laughs> so it's all ET to me. So that's my reality. So thank you. Thank you. Okay, Susan, give me a second. Um, what question? Hold on. There we go. What question do you have for everybody? And you're going to start by answering it yourself. You're going to ask it and answer it yourself. Are you there, Susan? I'm here. I'm trying to think. Um, okay. How? I'm wondering how many of you think that the um, heaven and hell and the Bible as described in the Bible are not really places like heaven and hell, but in actuality and also Nibiru and also the scrubbing of the atmosphere using gold by the Anunnaki, all of that. Okay. How many of you think that, Oh, well, they're just mining the Anunnaki. were just mining gold to restore their atmosphere. Or do you think maybe perhaps they were using the gold to um, actually, as, as baffles, as scrubbers, to um, clean an atmosphere uh, and restore the ionic balance within that atmosphere that's, that's in an enclosed ship called a planet, a planet, a surrogate planet class ship? Okay. So put that in a and question. Then, then, if you can put it in a one sentence question. Yeah. Read, read great. Okay. Rephrase that. Okay. How many of you think that, jet, that the Anunnaki were just here just to mine the gold to restore the atmosphere on their planet? And how many, how many think that, well, is it not really a planet, but maybe a surrogate planet class ship? Okay. And then my answer, my yeah. answer, my yeah. answer, yeah, Go ahead. That, that the Anunnaki came down here. They messed up the human genome. The humans were already here. I know because I was working with, with some ETs that supplanted a human race here, a colony from an earth that was in the fifth dimension. 
and the humans were very passive and docile and very friendly, and the animals and that fifth-dimensional Earth were very aggressive and very hostile. And they, they put them here in the colonies and stuff they, they, and the mountains to see how they, they would adapt. And then they had to be taken off world when they found out it was too harsh down here for that human colony from the fifth dimensional earth and we would turn them back home. Okay, so the, the humans here were messed up by the Anunnaki because they decided to make them subservient and usurp them and dummy them down to make them slaves to mine their gold and also slaves to be used as a commodity and trade and make slave armies and stuff. The gold was specifically mined, like I said, to become baffled, to be used in baffles inside of these surrogate planet-class ships uh, to, to scrub the atmosphere of toxins and, and renormalize the ratios of the different gases in those enclosed atmospheric con, um, climate control systems. I know I used to work in some of the climate control systems on the ships, colony ships docked in the backside of the sun, the moon, and, and, and the, uh, the uh, solar system. And as for um, heaven and, and hell, those are surrogate planet-class ships that are enclosed and are called Arcavanas. Uh, Nibiru is not a planet. It is another type of, of planet class ship that goes around, and they will they can also offset the Earth's orbit and create the Great Flood. Um, and that's what they yeah. do. That's my answer. Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, hold on. We're going to go turn on the mic for Richard. Back to Richard. Wow. Go ahead, question. Richard. Your answer. <laughs> I thought mine was well, complicated, what do you but this you're just, 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 Bunch uh, of nerves just here. really took us out there. Okay. All yes. right. First and foremost, um, do I believe in heaven and hell? Well, heaven and hell are the creation of the consciousness or the overall awareness of the body of mankind that has been propagated on down through history religiously. Okay, so you're talking about many millions of minds all coinciding together to create these interdimensional realities as a specific place in time, or at least a individual reality that can be experienced by anyone who so wishes, wishes basically to do so. For example, there's not just one heaven, there's actually 18 of them. Uh, for example, hell, there's not just one hell, there's seven of them. Um, as far as the Anunnaki is concerned, I do believe that, in fact, their mining colonization and excerpts upon this planet were a cover, a complete cover or disguise to the universe and the galaxy and, of course, our solar system at large to put off or what you would call sleight of hand magic to indicate that this is what they were here for and this is what they were doing, when in reality they were completely sent or completely had the alternative motive of completely dominating mankind and making mankind into their slaves. And that's pretty much my answer. <laughs> Thank you so much, Richard. Okay, um, Bruce, let me turn on your mic. What's your answer to that okay. question? I have uh, studied religion over the last 30 years uh, very intensely because I, uh, I mentioned earlier that 
um, I spent seven years to the day with uh, Bonnie, my late wife. And um, she turned out to be, when she died, she came back and told me that she was uh, an ET. She was, her uh, name, her uh, was, spiritual name was Kahra, capital K, small a, capital R, small a, and that she was the leader of the Caradonians, and that she had come to earth in order to um, uh, fulfill biblical prophecy, that she was the woman who bore the male child in uh, Revelation chapter 12. And it wasn't until 2010 that I discovered this, uh, that uh, evidence for, you know, that her whole life was perfectly uh, choreographed to follow those 17 verses in chapter 12. And what it it uh, that she gave virgin birth in in 1967 August 1st uh, to two children, a, a male and a female, and they were immediately taken up into space. She she was also um, uh, you know was as I said the leader of a group of extraterrestrials that I now know were part of the Anunnaki, and they were responsible for trying to un, un, un roll out the prophecy that is given in 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 the bible so we have a a uh i was directly involved with the the beings that were part of what uh richard says were were the group that was uh, enslaving mankind and trying to um bring about uh you know uh, uh the compliance and worship of them and kahra was interestingly enough means a spirit of goddess, and uh, she was the goddess that the Egyptians, the Isis, Nephthys, Set, and Osiris worshipped They're back during that period of time. She is also the, the, uh, the writer of the Koran, the, the scripture in the Koran, and she said she is the, that the, the uh, Judeo-Christian Bible is her biography. So I had direct contact with the very beings that uh, Richard was saying and, and Janet, you say, are trying to control humanity. Okay. Are you done? You can please. I'm done. Is that enough? Thank you very much. Cool. That's, that's sufficient. Thank you. I'm going to go on to Teresa. Hold on. There we go. Turn on mic. There you go. Uh, now I hear unmuted. Now I hear it. Okay. Now um, yes, regarding okay. work. Okay. Um, regarding me and the way I identify and I witness is uh, the words we're talking about are only of stories that have been created by thought forms, and uh, many thought forms where I relate to who I am after dying many times on this re- in this reality is life after life and life after death. So in those realities uh, where I am uh, presently, it's like interdimensional travel, is the fact that I know I'm here now in this reality, but it's like uh, I would prefer to use uh, the term of entertainment and gaming because uh, this is a radio show on radio waves that we're creating together, so we're all creators. 
Now, this is the same way that humanoids have met on the planet in order to have a physical reality to entertain each other on a learning planet or to some approving planet. So that's where a lot of these uh, dualistic words come from. But in my level of education, above uh, this reality and above this dimension is we're working uh, in spaces that you can't even imagine on the planet because in this reality, I've been in them. And I can't explain how you can walk into a home or a ship 30 by 30 and it open up to a whole nother reality. So we're working on that. And they're right now they're called magnetic monopoles, according to Dr. Richard Allen Miller. So I'm here uh, learning to communicate and work with ontologists. But regarding the Anunnaki, that is one of the stories that was written on this planet by people of uh, before they could read and write, really. So they had scribes and fired clay tablets. And that is about the word Anunnaki means those from the heavens came in human earth language that we call uh, the business language or American English. So uh, most theologians uh, are aware of that, as is the intelligence community. But I can say that in this reality, that is why Iraq, this, uh, they had people go in and destroy most of the Anunnaki uh, museums in Iraq to get rid of that story. So, you know, stories get, get ruined on this planet. So I'm very upset about that in this reality as a three-dimensional humanoid. So I'll end it with that. Oh, heaven and hell. Yes, those are man-made descriptions uh, in geology. And uh, on a timeline, I've described it in a science book for the Chinese. And zero in, uh, in cyberspace is minus one and plus one. Everything is zero. Therefore, put it in, put it in math. It's just a language. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, my uh -huh. turn. Okay. So... Um, Adonaki, Anu was the king of Nibiru, and he is the name of birth. But those who came from uh, heaven, Nibiru, where Anu lived, and they are his people that he sent here to key to earth to establish a colony. And that's according to the Sumerian story. It's uh, written in cuneiform. So the accuracy of the original writer, was it science fiction, was it science fact? Uh, back then, they seemed to be trained to break down the history to leave uh, for humanity, who and you are their children. So the, the mining story, yeah, it could be a story. You know, um, all these are stories. Everybody here today telling stories. We have all these stories written. We don't know is the true motivation of the original authors of any of these stories. Were they intending it to be fact or fiction or anything in between? Um, heaven and hell, according to the Anunnaki story, heaven, of course, was Nibiru. So if you were going to go, you were um, chosen to go back to Nibiru to visit King Anu, to go to the home planet. You know, that was a very honored thing to do. But they didn't let uh, just anybody in, you know. The humans weren't allowed in. <laughs> Even some of the gods, they were forbidden to return to, to heaven, to Nibiru. But... Um, and then the, the hell part, hell was known as the Abdu, the South African mines. And they still exist. So I think Salinger has all this information, videos and books about he lives in South Africa and the mines. And he's found Enki's lab where he created Homo sapiens. And uh, there's all these stone henches throughout um, 
you know, Africa. That, that it would have taken millions of people to make them, and it's just there's no explanation because the population isn't large enough to make these based on how old they are. Um, but I, you know, as for a spiritual place, you know, I, I've been I've been uh, dead and came back, and I've worked with the dead, and they seem to have um, it's like a state of being. Uh, whether they experience heaven, you know, good experiences after they die. I think that's another whole thing. Um, I, George Harrison kept saying the names of God, so at the moment of death he would meet God. So a lot of people do things to try to end up on a, a good side. Of, and if you go to the, the stories about people when they die and they come back or uh, they do, um, what do you call it, regression to the life between lives, you know, there's lots of stories of where you go and, and based on what you believe or think is kind of what you carry with you. So I will end with that. And let's see. We have 46 minutes. Uh, we probably have time for one more question. Uh, let's go back to Teresa. What question would you like to ask our panel and uh, start with yourself with answering it? Can you, Teresa, are you there? Okay, we'll come back to Teresa. She's not responding. Okay, Bruce, what question would you like to ask the panel and answer it yourself first? Okay. Uh, what I got involved with was a, a, a prophecy that was being fulfilled by uh, one of the uh, Anunnaki who claims to uh, have been claims to be Kahra, the uh, the goddess worshipped by the other uh, lower demigods of ancient Egypt, but she also told me that she was Nin Kursag, who was the uh, mother of uh, Enlil and Anki, and of humanity in general. Uh, but what was fascinating by all of this is that um, I got to meet. Uh, the, her children, which were actually, I was the, the sperm provider, and uh, they uh, are essentially the, the offspring of uh, Kahra and um, well, Bonnie and me. And who are they? So who are they? And, and what who I came they to realize, mean? the children, okay, and ahead. especially okay, my son, children. Whose name is Kyle, and um, what I uh, came to realize that is that he is the male child described in Revelation chapter 12, which is the reincarnation of of the Christ Spirit, and he is the Messiah. He's now 53 years old, and uh, he's very close to coming down. You know, from I mean, he, he's a pilot of a of a uh, you know spacecraft, and he's going to come down. And, and assume his position as uh, the, the uh, prophecy, uh, old and new prophecy of the Bible uh, proclaim. So th that's basically what I, my contribution from what I've learned. But we also know that this is uh, part of the, the um, Anunnaki deception. Okay, Richard. What do you think? Okay. What's your response um, to Richard? 
Well, I'm trying to decipher precisely the question. <laughs> okay, Bruce, you're very, very eloquent it. and very knowledgeable. So, <laughs> therefore, you know, you're you're putting on a presentation as well as couching a question in the midst of it. Yeah. So, <laughs> if you could couch it for me more succinctly, I would be most appreciative. Yeah, you're both. Okay. Uh, I like to go on to both you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, basically. Um, uh, is the Messiah going to return as the Bible prophesies? Okay. First and foremost, if we are addressing the lineage and incarnation of Christ himself, um, that whole story has been manipulated through very various royalties and various uh, ascendancies and all kinds of different uh, houses that in turn you know, basically have rewarded the Bible into 18 different versions, into 14 different languages. Okay, so there is the, the truest sense of the Bible itself is the language that Christ himself spoke while he was present on the earth, which is Aramaic. All right, so the Aramaic Bible holds the, the truest content as far as what is recognized as the established or accepted Bible by those in mass. In other words, you have the the Catholic Bible, you have the Greek Bible, you have the Roman Bible, and you have the Russian Bible, and you have the Ethiopian Bible, and you have the German Bible, and you have the Christian Bible, and so on and so forth. And all of these are parallel stories, but in different languages, and when you take the same story and translate it into a different language, it begins to transform and have different meaning. So, in reference to the second coming of Christ as the book of Revelations was revealed to by, by and from, as portrayed by John, it has already happened. The reason being that you see the whole message of Christ, which was never thoroughly understood because it was, it was spoken in parables unto the masses, withholding the sacred truth to only his disciples or apostles at the time, um, was basically one consistent of majorly three golden rules, one being love yourself, the second being love others as you would love yourself, and the third one being treat all others as you would treat yourself. So basically the standards of love and full acceptance of the self. Now, of course, we could get into an hours-long dialogue as to what the self consists of, but the Christ, basically in principle, as a being entity and conscious message as to what his he was diversely projecting unto the Jewish masses and, of course, the Roman Empire at the time of his alleged incarnation. And I say alleged only because, again, it's a matter of perception in this reality where there are two or more, you can co-create an entire complete reality just based on the two of your thoughts melded together in an interdimensional and multiversal universe, okay? Um, so I say that Christ has already reappeared is because his gift unto mankind was the, mes was the message that all of us are, in fact, Christ conscious. And that as such, he, he lives in our hearts from the aspect being and of the understanding and sharing of love. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Okay, on to Susan. Great answer. All right. Uh, hold on, let me keep this on. Uh, thank you, Richard. Taking you off for now. Susan, 
What's your response? Who is the Messiah? Um, is he returning? I is think he, he returning? I'm not so sure. Ex- I'm not so sure exactly um, what part of the Bible is true, and it's been so misconstrued and, and interpreted in many different ways. It's hard to tell exactly what the persona of the Messiah really is, or if in fact he returned or anything. I'm saying the Christ was actually referring to the Christ priesthood, which is a a, a, a belief system, a, like a, a like a philosophy. From what I'm understanding, and when they say Jesus, they mean Jesus of the Christ. That's what they meant. As far as him being the original Messiah and everything, that's up for debate. That's where the Jewish religion comes from, because they don't believe that, that their Messiah came yet. Um, mm-hmm. As far as, um, is he already here? Um, I'm not so sure if there is a second return. I do know that it could even be a parable that might even be mirroring the fact that on Ancient Aliens, the series, they say that, oh, well, we're going to return. We're going to return. And then a lot of the Ancient Alien cast are saying, no, they never left. Well, it could be that the, Christ, the return of Christ could be the return of the Anunnaki or the return of the representative of the Anunnaki or something. And, and I think that's why... Uh, there, there's a big presence right now on the backside of the sun and the earth and the solar system because they're they're aware of this so-called return of the Anunnaki and they're no listen make no mistake they're evil they're parasitic and they feed off of other entities they are the disembodied entities that have taken on lower evolved forms and they use their vessels uh, and they confiscate them so that they can have nefarious activities. Evil has no rhyme or re- reason. It's like a cancer in a patient. It, it, it doesn't have any logical reason. It's just a parasite. It feeds off of everything. And I think that the Bible and everything, along with the other religions, were specifically designed to subjugate and assert and dummy down the masses, and uh, along with the God gene complex that was put into the human genome to screw them up and make them have to worship something greater than themselves instead of having, having their own self-awareness, self-preservation, Self-integration and self and self-integration and expansion, and I don't seconds. think there's going to be a return because I don't think the Christ really actually really existed. I think it might have been a parable by the Anunnaki themselves through the Bible, the evil Roman Empire and and the evil elite to go ahead and control and subjugate the masses. And I think the Christ's return is in fact the return of the Anunnaki. I think that's what the symbolism means. Wow. Great answer. Thank you. Lots to think about. Okay, I'm going to see if I can get Teresa to answer this question. I hope her her phone is working. Hold on one second. Thank you, Susan. Teresa, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, we can now. Can you hear me? Who's the Messiah and is the Messiah returning? Well, it depends, again, on ontology, and it depends on the person or the data package of thought forms and intelligence that the question being asked, it's like Q in uh, Star Trek, okay? But I believe that Dr. Uh, Bruce is referring to what in America and in uh, theology is one of the Christian beliefs, as well as the Jews, as 
Susan referred to. So these are words, folks. These are stories and these are thought forms to separate the masses. Now, what I understand about people dying is there's been many people on the planet that have waited for a Messiah. Now, the way science interprets the Christ in thought forms is uh, like some famous people said, is, uh, you know, the greatest day is when you're born and the uh, <laughs> second part of you is knowing why. And it, the, the Christ Messiah, I do... Uh, Right, I'm a writer, and I use Christ consciousness as a, a ministry for the universal life forms. And in the universes, we all know that people, uh, as humanoids, get together, and in order to uh, tell themselves that they are going to be okay as individuals, they create critical mass consciousness. So uh, Christ, the Messiah, is... Uh, the critical mass conscious of the word uh, God, but we've had many at many levels of meritocracy. But when you're God realized, as in the old new age, which is no more because we have the ascension age now, the ascension age embodies the Christ consciousness in the new epoch of what we call time and space. So that's uh, the answer is people come and go from this planet expecting to be saved from. So what it is is the packet of intelligence inside your consciousness that you know that inside of biological, that is your you. How you think of is you, I. And when you think of the Christ consciousness, the Messiah is the we, you, they thought forms on the outside of you. So once you grow up and become awakened, you realize the inner and the outer is yes, there is no seconds. other. So there is no minus, there is no plus. There's only zero, mm -hmm. which is all encompassing the Messiah Christ consciousness. Done. Excellent. Wonderful answer. Wonderful. Okay, I'll take a I'll take a I'll take a stab at this one. Okay. So the Anunnaki uh, introduced the story of the Messiah. So people would keep looking outside of themselves for the answer, for someone to come in and rescue them, which is a way of disempowering humans. Because humans, if they were dealing with uh, too many humans and not enough Anunnaki, there was a couple incidents where humans realized that the Anunnaki could be harmed, they could be, uh, maybe they bled, that they <laughs> had a form that was vulnerable. So they uh, they started religions in order to control the masses. So they started introducing this Messiah. This is someone outside yourself. You, you can't do it yourself. There's no way you can ever do it yourself. And that kept them from realizing that we are all Christ's consciousness. On the, on the higher level, you know, we have the spiritual aspect. Who are these beings that come down periodically and walk among the um, sentient species of the planet and, and to help them evolve and become conscious and enlightened? Now, the historical Jesus, according to the Anunnaki and according to the researchers that I've worked with for my own research, was actually Enki. And uh, Enki, because he was such a, a long-time immortal being, wherever he traveled, um, he would get different names. So he's known by many names in Egypt and Buskatah. And he was um, Aquarius. He was, um, what do you call it, Neptune. Um, uh, Poseidon, you know, he's got many names, and, and so so do the gods. They 
all have many names because they were so long-lived and even so short-lived. But the wedding in Canaan, Cana, is actually the wedding between Jesus and Nimma. And Nimma is Mary and Jesus is Enki. Uh, Nimma and Enki were forbidden to marry because um, in order to settle a rivalry with the opposing faction, Anu um, had uh, Enki wed Damkina, who was the daughter of the opposing force, in order to make a truce so they would stop the wars on the Beerus. So um, <laughs> that hurt Nimma tremendously. She went off and got pregnant by Enlil. The son was the nurture. So finally, many thousands of years later, they worked through the politics of their family, and they said, you know, screw this, we're getting married. So that's what the wedding at Cana um, was. The two of them finally got married, and they never left, and they're still walking around. And then Mary, of course, um, is the queen of the Fatima, and the, she's the Lady of Guadalupe, and and, uh, and and he uh, walked around and it should be Americas and you know he's the big tall white guy that they were waiting for to return, et cetera, et cetera. So that's my humble opinion, but what do I know? Okay, we're going to put this. We have enough time probably for one more question. We're going to turn on Teresa's mic. Question for the group and answer it yourself. Take it away. Is it for Teresa? Is it my Okay. Um, yes, regarding the, uh, all right, thank you. I consider everybody a part of the Christ consciousness uh, or the thought forms. And as individuals, we all have an I and, as I said, the we, you, they. And this is all up for uh, exchange now because of uh, the way we're working together on the planet as a critical mass consciousness. So now we're uh, – involving AI, which I'm very familiar with off-planet because everything is biological, but everything's also AI. So my question is, in this reality while we're here, uh, how, how can we each help each other form a storyline uh, beginning now for uh, supporting each other in fellowship? I don't know, is that a question that I ask? How can I think yeah, it should they, be uh, in this in this AI reality, accepting that we're all data packs and thought forms in this game of life. How can we all support each other while we're witnessing, I guess, each other in this reality? I'm not sure how to say it. What is your? We got That's good. What's your answer? The, What's my your answer? My answer is uh, show up and. Uh, understand that we're communicating uh, in cyberspace to uh, create uh, community. So I'm, I'm doing my best to show up and communicate and create community. So that's my answer to my own during this time of AI. What can we do to support each other? Thank you. Excellent. Okay, thanks. I'm going to turn the mic on to Richard. Richard, your turn. Okay, that's a very, very interesting question, to say the least. Um, And my Mm -hmm. take on it would be this. In order to come together to create a harmonic unity, uh, we must, of course, form an alliance amongst all of ourselves that are present, those of us more pronounced or more out in the 
manner of speaking, making others aware around them of where who they are and where they truly come from and where in fact they are what their mission is to here to accomplish. If we greet each other not simply in the physical body, mind and heart, but in the supraconscious, Christ conscious, or even as we would say, um, complete spiritual core awareness, the core of each of our beings greets the core of each of all of the rest of the beings present, however they so term, understand, perceive, and out, outreach from their inner selves to the community or to form the community on earth. If we take it not purely from the human, but blend it with the awareness and an awakening and an ascension unto the core being of all those present here on the earth, then in turn there would be a harmonic unity of communication, not purely on the physical or verbal level, but also on the intuitive level and also in an exchange of a core multidimensional being of light unto another core being multidimensional being of light. And this harmonic focus would then in turn begin to terraform and reconstruct this entire environment and all the communities around the earth to become once again in harmonic resonance, which would in turn also fulfill the prophecy of the age of Aquarius. Wonderful. And that is my answer. That's good. Thank you so much. Awesome answer. Okay, so let me turn on Susan's mic. How do we create community? How do we support each other? Um you gotta recognize your, pla- your you gotta recognize your planetary identity, your universal identity, and your soul identity, which is your first first point of inception and creation. Whether it's this universe or an alternate one, realize your true point of origin and your true soul group and everything, and re- and realize the other races that you're trying to help or intervene on on an ontological level, and always for the good. Mm-hmm. Anything else? We have about 30 seconds. Are you complete? No, no, that's it. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, Bruce. Oops, hold on. Sorry, Bruce, there we go. (laughs) You have to click that just right. Okay, Okay. there we go. Essentially, I mean, I I, uh, am impressed with all of uh, the... uh, of the comments being made here um, and from Richard to Susan to TJ to Janet. And uh, the, what I was trying to uh, present is this concept that uh, if there is going to be a human representation of the uh, Messiah, just as many believe there was at uh, the time uh, Jesus was on earth, uh, will the public believe that he is who he claims to be. That, I doubt, will happen. I suspect that if somebody were to claim he is the Messiah, you would have as much uh, acceptance and dissent as you did 2,000 years ago. And, and uh, I don't think that's going to be the solution to bringing people together. And I don't think that there is going to be a single Savior that can change all of the problems that 
uh, are, we have created for ourselves. We need to correct our own, uh, clean up our own house before we begin to uh, want others to clean up theirs. Excellent. Are you complete? Only that I want to say that the, the uh, for the, the sake of uh, the information being presented, uh, that as Susan said, that the uh, that she didn't think that uh, uh, Jesus actually existed, that he is more myth. Well, that has been held by many people, and yet uh, it's it, uh, too bad that you didn't invite Tommy Sinisi on this show because uh, he claims to have lived at the time of Jesus and to have known Jesus personally. And so he could correct that uh, misconception. Then you have the, uh, the Gnostics who didn't think that Jesus came in, in the flesh, but that he was mainly spirit and the Christ spirit. And uh, that's why the Catholic Church, the original church, uh, tried to destroy the Gnostics. They get rid of that concept, but mm-hmm. it has come back. It has resurrected in 1949 with the um, you know, Gnostic uh, uh, manuscripts that were found in the desert. Right. Okay, well, I'm going to answer my answer, and then I'm going to turn on all the mics, and I want everybody to play nice with each other. But um, <laughs> I just wanted to say, <laughs> um, in psychology, you know, one way we can create community is to witness each other. And we witness each other without judgment, without criticism without trying to fix and repair because none of us are broken. But witnessing is the first level to healing, especially if you can be witnessed without judgment, criticism, somebody trying to fix and repair you in your true authentic self. And ideally, it'd be great to witness each other in our true expression in the moment. So if somebody wants to be angry, they could be angry, and you just witness them being angry and we you know, applaud them and say, good job really did. They want to be loving. Whatever their true emotion is, as long as you're not hitting somebody, you don't let anybody hurt anybody. But uh, if it's within themselves and that's what they're doing, that's fine. And so what we've done in our communities here, we've had experiments in conscious community here on our property. Uh, my husband came here in 1979, and this has been like a little hippie community. Um, you know, learning to grow food and, and supporting each other and I can't say that we had a lot of success, although, you know, each period was successful in of itself. I would like to see us, and that's why this vision of this radio show is to come and we witness each other. And I'd like to see each of us on this panel and others that we find that bring to the radio show that we do our timeline. And what I mean by our timeline is you take your story and you think, you know, from your current now self, and you go back in time, to 20 or 30 critical incidents in your life that kind of shaped you as to who you are today and that you never forgot, like a dream you never forgot, and you write them down, 1 to 20, 1 to 30, how many you have, but no more than 30, and you, and you give them a name, like the time my, I don't know, my mother 
hit me, right? And what did that mean to be hit when you never been hit before? Or, you know, something. It's how I remember thinking on board the ship, you know. Whatever it is, it can be whatever it is. And then what I'd like to do in future shows is each person, uh, we witness them in their 20 to 30 episodes. And we help them um, integrate and fill that out. And, of course, no fiction, repairing, um, criticism. And then we do the next person, next person, next person. And so that's my, one of my concepts. So now we have 19 minutes left in the show, and there is somebody on hold, and I'm afraid to turn it on because the last time I got all these obscenities. But I'm going to turn on the mics of our panel members. Um, I'm going to walk away from this for just a minute because I have to do something. And I invite everybody to just go free flow, and it's called popcorn. The one who has the most to share will probably emerge as soon as I walk away. And please be mindful, there's only 18 minutes left, and when you're done, say, I'm passing the mic, and then the next person speaks and try not to cross-talk. I'll be back in just a minute. Take it away, panelists. Will you mute yourself, Janet? And we usually do this by time, so there's four of us, so that'd be four minutes each with a closeout for Janet at two minutes. So anybody got a timepiece? I don't, but... uh, uh, she started, uh, this used to be Friday nights with me for UFO Secret Space, so I don't know what it is now, but uh, Susan, Bruce, and Richard have been invited, so uh, I yield my time. Uh, if somebody will keep up with four minutes each, whoever's got a timepiece. Next. <laughs> yeah, uh, Teresa, um, I wanted to um, try to get a hold of you, and it's hard. Is there any other way I can get a hold of you? Because we had a really interesting conversation, and we were talking about the ontological basis of being an identity, and then we went on to something else. Oh, the F-16 that crashed in Michigan, and then you said it was caused by something else. Specifically, I was trying to get a hold of you. The question I had for you was, what do you know about the so-called bunker buster incident that happened in Maine, which was the which was December 17th? Uh, a lot on both sides of the storyline, but can we do this offline? So uh, you can uh, get in touch with me as director at UF. Oh, wait, let me give you a UAP. Excuse me, I'm still old paradigm UFO. <laughs> uh, new paradigm, uh, director at UAP.associates. And uh, that is where they're combining all my Microsoft and Gmail and my personal domains of about 35 uh, different domains with GoDaddy in cyberspace. So if you'll direct your email to me and you and I on phone, uh, I can, do you do Skype? Yeah, I do Skype. Perfect. My name is TJ Morris ET. And uh, all you have to do is schedule a meeting with me by contacting me and making me a friend on Skype. And I do 15, 30-minute intervals. But for you and me just to be one-on-one as friends, no problem. It's just I'm going to be honest with you. 
once you cross my path, which apparently you've done, I uh, I'm a soul traveler, and I pretty I, much I, have I already. I didn't hear accepted. you're cutting out. I'm sorry. Um, just Hello? so you know, I'm a soul. Okay, let's see. Hello. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? I'm back. Oh, um, Once you cross my path, which you've done, and then that's it. And then you said it. Yeah. Hello? Okay. I heard the whole thing perfectly clear. That's it's bizarre. all blank. That's yeah, bizarre now she's, now we I, heard, I heard everything that TJ had to say. Okay. Can you hear yeah, this, this format isn't uh, – it's kind of a little bit flawed. I'm, I'm thinking of taking this show to – Zoom, and we could try that next week on a Zoom format. We don't have you don't have to show your face if you're shy. You can just uh, keep your camera off. But we might get a better recording because there's something about oh we lost Susan. Okay, there's something about this format which is flawed. Well, I'll try to call her back. Um, it's it's not just the for- format. It's that when you have beings that are fully awakened and conscious all gathered in one place, we have a tendency to blow circuits on satellites and other communication <laughs> devices and create static <laughs> in those systems. And as a result, it interferes with communications that you're trying to have between any pair of given individuals for conference calls. Oops. Wait, i got to do that without sound, I think. Uh, <laughs> there's a way of calling without having the sound. Calling sound. Okay, there we go. I'm trying to get Susan back on. Okay, go ahead, yeah. uh, Richard. I'm sorry I, I interrupted. Can you hear me? No, no, it's okay because no, no. you see you were addressing an anomaly because Bruce and Susan did not perceive the last pronunciation of TJ's means of sharing the best way to get in communication with her. And I had no interruption whatsoever. This was only experienced in program between TJ, Bruce, and Susan. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, it's kind of a bizarre anomaly in a manner of speaking. But again, can you hear me? There's, yeah, I hear you fine. We, oh, okay. We can still well, hear you. Weird. A lot of people can't hear me or get in touch with me, Janet. I don't know what that's about. Apparently, we don't know. Uh, Richard has insight. Um, well, okay. if we're that's speaking cool. if we're speaking cyberspace, you know, you're talking about walls <laughs> creating themselves and dissolving themselves, and dimensions <laughs> creating space, and black yeah. holes and wormholes and portals all showing up at the same time, and being from all kinds of different dimensions, like myself showing up at one time. That's right. Mm-hmm. So we can talk multiverses, and we'll have to create those threads. But, yeah, oh, apparently yes. di- different people want to know lower-level, what I call three-dimensional thought forms that they're in their reality. It's like a game of life, but there's various paradigms and dimensions and realms, and so we have to do meritocracy, which people don't like to do. But, unfortunately, most of the demigods and gods that I've known in the past and in the future and in the now, past, present, future, because there's no space, there's no time – in the photon clouds, okay, of the thought packet consciousness, I am well aware the reality. Of this. <laughs> that's what we're gonna. That's what we're all working on is who we're gonna be in the future. Is the way it said, but actually, it's us in the now. And I'm in the future, and I'm in the past, and I'm in the present. 
and I'm okay with that. But I like being up there at the universal level, and that's the story that Janet wants me to tell. So that's the one we're working on. Is uh, okay. I work in this in in multi levels. Just so you know, I'll quote Beta Alpha Theta Delta Gamma Sigma Dal. We use seven levels, not like you said, just conscious. Or you said super conscious, but we were teaching that in the 30s and 40s. But now we're working with people, and that's okay, folks. We're all telling stories, but we are going to use, uh, you know, I guess radio for a little while with Bruce and uh, Richard and Susan and Janet. And I guess anybody else Janet invites. But Friday nights, uh, we were both doing this. So, you know, I've got TJ Mars ET radio, and I syndicate and have my hey, own TJ. bills. And my, uh-huh. Yeah, Susan, I don't want to talk finances. Susan, Susan is back. I'm sorry, go ahead. Let, let's, let's use the time for productive. Susan, go ahead. Ask your questions of TJ. Yeah, TJ, what, what, what was that address you were given again? And then you said something about once you cross paths with me and you've crossed my path, and then and then we had all this trouble after that. I was going to say I hope you can stay in contact because uh, so many people are trying to uh, work at uh, critical mass consciousness in uh, 5G right now that uh, the radio waves and the microwaves and all the waves we have are all messed up. But uh, please uh, t- try TJ Mars ET on Skype. Uh, I have Google Calendar. Uh, Janet needs to make a forum. Or I do. I have Blog Talk Radio, and she has Blog Talk Radio. But Susan, I'd be glad to bring you back on my show, separate from uh, this one, and we can talk some more. Everybody that wants to interview with me, I'll do that. So uh, I don't know. Janet's the only one, and Tommy, that have ever been able to contact me on this planet and stay with me. Now Richard I don't has been able to. Any problems. I know. Richard, Richard doesn't have any problems. So, Susan, I guess, I, I guess I'm not, on, I'm not on, really human. Well, yeah. So, uh, Bruce, I don't think Bruce has ever had trouble, have you, Bruce? Uh, with what? Communicating with you? Yeah. Reaching no. her, yes. Oh, no. Interesting. Huh. No, I, 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 um, harder I've Susan. got her on Skype. I, I get Good. messages uh, from Skype. Okay, well, let's try that, Susan. And uh, I've got a phone yeah, number. Sure. You want it? Wait, you want my what? phone number? 850 781 Putting it on the air. Yeah, because I've got so many people trying to get me on all my phones. So I apologize, everybody. Uh, they've got all the lines tied up to me, and I've had people okay. coming in my house. Okay, and they're okay. trying to fix it. Thank you, Janet. Okay, just so, keep us together. Okay, mm-hmm. go ahead, Susan. Yeah. So, so if you're going to give so out the phone, so, it's going out to everywhere. Do you want to give out your phone, TJ, or do you want to do that on the? Email. You can do that. You can give it. You can give it to her. Give it to her off because I'm not sure this one's publicized. All the well, you just did. Are blasted out. <laughs> whole blast. Yeah. Well, you. Well, you yeah, didn't. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't Wait a completely minute. ten digits. The last four. It wasn't yeah, completely ten digits. Yeah, because all the spammers would get it. 
all those people that do commercials yeah. get it. So anyway, you will no longer have to worry Wait about a minute. them. But anyway. I, I'm having a hard okay. time talking. It's like everybody's talking to me, and, the, and then I get cut off. And every time I try to get T.J. Morris, I can't get her. Everybody else can get her. Somebody's interfering with me. You're a psychic. Are you serious? Okay. Okay. So I'm going to mute everybody so you can have the, the last five minutes talking to TJ and ask her your questions. So I'm muting everybody else. Go ahead, Susan. Ask your question of TJ because we have like seven TJ, minutes why, or five minutes. Why, why is it when everybody else can get a hold of you with no problem, I can't? What, what's going on? I think the number I gave you is one of the ones I lost. I, uh, I don't know if somebody came in my house and took them because they were right here by my bed, but uh, somehow they disappeared. So out of four phones I own, one landline in the house, I've only got the one I'm talking on. And uh, Janet will give that to you so you can call me after. Janet, apparently Susan really wants to talk to me as just one-on-one, okay? Sure. Yeah. Okay. And, and I don't understand. I want to ask you. A psychic question. Oh, sure. No, you're a psychic, right? Yes, ma'am. Um, I'm an empath, cognitive, a precog. I claim all of that. I'm Cosmos Ambassador. <laughs> I work on yeah, all of those. Yeah, okay. Made Delta, okay. Gamma, Sigma, Dow. <laughs> okay, then, then in relation to that, what, what am I? I? I'm on the real high councils, right, from the other universe and multiverse and all that? Yes, ma'am. Am I the only one here on the planet for my people? No, ma'am. I am you. You are me. We are they. You're you're my other one. Where are you from? Which universe? Uh, uh, the seventh. The one I'm from is Arfactinum or Factianum universe. I didn't hear that. What? You're a universal being. I can't hear. Uh, can anybody tell me what she's saying? I can hear I, I her. I think you're speaking universal. Fine. That's weird. I can't hear. All right. So it's universal levels. We're having trouble in bandwidth and vibrations and sounds. And that's because the language we speak, Susan, isn't uh, modified. So we've got to speak in our biological. So first of all, we have to accept our biological forms and become uh, humanoids. And then we've got to find each other on the planet. So it's part of the game. And uh, it's not the easiest game I've ever played because they made me a No, no, no. It's, it's not part of a game. It, 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 it's part of direct interference by the negative ET scourge because they don't want us to connect. Okay. All right. Well, it's however you interpret it. So I apologize. Uh, I don't think it's on my part, Susan, so please don't take it personal. I'm a very... Uh, open. Uh, I'm actually a personality on Facebook, so please connect with me on Facebook. But uh, uh, most of the time, people think I'm on Facebook, but I'm not. I'm a developer inside GoDaddy, so I have a Pro Core, a C panel, and uh, it's a different level. And then, so when I punch buttons in domains, it goes into Facebook. But I'd be more than so happy what, to assist. What, mm-hmm. what, how how do I get a hold of you? How do I call you? Do I Skype you? Um, do I messenger you? You have an iPhone. Yeah, Skype Can I messenger you? Skype her. All of, yeah, you can messenger me. Uh, yeah, Janet, please yeah. give her my phone number when we get off. She's, yeah, uh, Janet has a direct line to you, and she 
when she disconnected us, uh, we got disconnected. You said, okay. Oh, yeah, I thought you had already exchanged numbers. You, no, no, I, I couldn't get a hold of her. I called her and I get the answer machine every single fucking time. And it's a, it's a mixed garbage. Oh, no. <laughs> did, 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 it's like, Happy New, Happy New Year, like that. All garbled. Happy New Year. That's all I could get out of it. Every time I try to call you. Interesting. Okay. It sounds like we're being and, uh, interfered and with. Thank you. Yeah, um, that's exactly, exactly what it sounds like. I wanted to ask her. You and have the book Masquerade of Angels. I'm, I'm getting echo feedback in my voice. Right. So let's wrap this up because we're out of time anyway. So let me uh, pull on Richard. Final words, Richard. Say well, we whatever you want to say to our, our listeners. We thank all of our lovely listeners out there in cyberland or from whatever perspective or perception you are perceiving this in. We greet you with love. We greet you with heartfelt warmth, healing, and wish you most the highest possible ascension to become your highest possible good in the here and now. Lovely. Thank you. Bruce, final words to our listeners. Oops, wait. Gotta click you on. Sorry, your mic was off. You're probably talking away. Go ahead, Bruce. Final word. Open your minds and open your hearts to new information. That is the time you will grow and ascend. Thank you, Susan. Final words to our listeners. Uh, get in tune with oneself and, and 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 trust your gut and your intuition, and uh, and don't react to everything that's different with a knee-jerk, fear-mongering, want-to-attack-it kind of reaction. Instead, start interacting with it empathically. Try to sense what the entities and what they are, and don't fall for for um the sadistic entities that are portrayed in the book called The Masquerade of Angels. Thank you so much. I want to thank everybody on our panel, Susan, Richard, Bruce, and Teresa. Thank you, listeners, for joining in. Thank you. We'll be back again next Friday. Actually, it is Christmas. Christmas special show with Richard Knight.